Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, a mini camp edition. As always, joined by Matt Money Smith and you know, Muddy, I was there on Monday for Media Day, and one of the things that struck me, last year we had all these new faces, and this year a few new faces, right? You see Dion Henley and Quentin Johnson and Eric Kendricks uh, running around there, but uh, the theme I felt like was just continuity, uh, doing this thing again with, with the same group of guys. It was fun to see everybody in the same place uh, for the first time since, really, Jacksonville, when you talk about OTAs and seeing Austin Eckler there. Um, and it was a good week. Good week of work for the Chargers. Certainly. You know, you mentioned the faces and, and who was there and, and who wasn't. And I think that's one of the great things about this Chargers team going into this season. Now, look, it could change. And I know we're going to get into a lot of the questions that were thrown at Justin Herbert. But, you know, considering last year, we, we were having this conversation about Derwin James, knowing that he was going to want to be the highest paid safety in the league. And how long would that take? And what would those negotiations look like? Because it's never easy when you're talking about that much money and, and setting, you know, a new number for the entire league, not just for the individual player. So it's nice to see this year sort of media day, OTAs, now mini camp, zero issues. And, and they were able, and, and it's a tip of the cap to, to Tom and, and Ed and, and JoJo and John Spanos and all of them for figuring out the Austin Eckler thing sooner than later, and also to Austin. And I know we're going to get into that as yep. well because he had a chance to speak with the media. But to both sides, to to get a team that a lot of people think has a roster on paper that should and very well could contend for a Super Bowl championship this year, you want to try to minimize any of those obstacles, the off-the-field obstacles that you can. And so far, and at this particular point through OTAs and minicamp, it looks like the Chargers have done a great job of that. And it takes two. It takes professionals on both sides. I remember when, when Derwin was holding in last year, he was still on the field. He was still coaching him up, and, and he was handling himself like a pro. Justin said all the right things uh, about uh, getting this contract and, and what it means for just getting this team ready in a new offense. And Austin, I saw Austin, and he said he's been listening to our pod. He said he's in probably the best shape of his career. And it was good to see him. And he's handled this thing like a pro, too. Um, like, listen, if you think you're worth more and you've shown it and you've put it on tape, then you should have the opportunity to look and see what else is out there. Um, the, the, the Chargers let him do it, and then the Chargers gave him some incentives that, that I think is a nice kind of common ground here as we go into 2023. But uh, what did you make of what Austin had to say? And, you know, Brandon Staley, I heard him on the Rich Eisen show with Tom Pelissero, and he, he obviously said it to the media too. It's like Austin came in. And you never have to worry about a guy like that. He comes and does his thing and looked awesome. It, we, we say it all the time. We love Austin. He's in, and I think no matter what you do, whatever your role is in the organization, you're not going to hear a bad thing about him. If you're a coach, you respect the heck out of the work ethic he puts in in the offseason and the shape that he's in the second he steps in the building for OTAs or minicamp. If you're the front office – you respect the way he handled this, and you appreciate the way he handled this uh, professionally. If you're one of his teammates, you know how much effort he puts in every single time he takes the field, every single time he takes a snap. He never goes down on first contact. There's always that second, third effort. Like, it just he, he very well could be the most respected player on the team. Like, he's in that yep. conversation just across the board. So to see the way 
you know, he handled the questions, the way he worded his answers. I, I appreciate that that there was still some honesty. Well, I shouldn't say honesty, but there was still a willingness to, to get a point across. And I appreciate his point. I do. And I know that may not be popular with, with front offices or, or owners that want to save money wherever they can when you're talking about putting two, three hundred million bucks out there every year in player salaries. But for, you know, for Austin and for Saquon Barkley and for Josh Jacobs and for all these players, Tony Pollard, I think I think Austin did a great job of pointing that out. He's like, and for people that weren't able to see it, that are just listening to the pod now, his point was, you know, I the Chargers gave me an opportunity, and I was optimistic that I'd find somebody that would be willing to give me uh, more value and pay me more, and and be willing to give up some draft picks to do that. And I didn't. And I have a contract with the Chargers, and I'm going to honor that. But then he went on to point out that's my situation. He said we got to figure something out with this other situation, and that is that. You've got guys that honor their contracts, and we know what the running back position is, and and then you stick them with a franchise tag for one or two years just to stretch them out to that 28, 29-year-old season, and then you're done with them. And that's that's sort of what he's – you know, it it seems as though there is a swell of support amongst all the running backs right now as they're trying to figure out a way this – we get it. These are the rules by, you know, uh, by which the NFLPA agreed to in the last collective bargaining agreement. They're the rules that you have to follow. But I also do think there's market inefficiencies that need to be addressed. And if, if you know across the board that teams are not willing to pay a running back past his age 29 season and you're going to draft him and you're going to pick up the fifth-year option if you get him in the first round or after four years you're going to tag him twice and then cut him loose, well, then maybe they got to figure something out. Maybe there's an opportunity for a running back, for running backs taken in the first round to opt out of their deals after two years, after three years, or something like that. And it sounds like that's what Austin didn't want to get too deep into, but is signaling, just like Saquon Barkley is, just like Josh Jacobs is, um, that they got to figure this out. That's just the, 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 the whole idea, and I don't mean to go on this huge rant straight out the gate here, Chris, but like the whole idea of the minimized value of the running back, I get it. At the same time, it's asinine. There's there's part of it that just really doesn't make any sense. You know, you you can't every single team cannot go into the season with some seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent that hasn't proven himself and assume they're gonna give you what Austin Eckler does. Austin's an outlier. He's yes, he was undrafted and he's making a relative bargain for what he provides at six and a half million bucks a year, you know, 18 touchdowns and 1600 yards, but he's an outlier, you know? So like to say that that's the approach you can take. No, you know, look, Bashan Robinson's going to have a monster year. I wholeheartedly believe it. And I love that the Atlanta Falcons invested in him. We saw what for all the love that Daniel Jones got and Brian Dable got Saquon Barkley. I mean, was a beast last year. So, you know, Josh Jacobs was the Raiders offense, you know, and it has been the last for, for all the attention on Derek Carr and oh, they, they're pushing the ball down the field more. And what brilliant coaching by John Gruden this year. No, it's Josh Jacobs. It's Josh Jacobs. It's running the hell out of the ball that sets all that up. So just the narrative that running backs don't matter anymore is stupid. And I'm sure there's a way to find some sort of common ground where these guys who perhaps have a shorter shelf life than almost any other position in the game can get a little bit more bang for their buck. 
Muddy, I would argue outside the first and second round. Like, look at the guys in the third, fourth, and fifth round. And all you have to do is look at what Kyle Shanahan has done and Mike Shanahan did in his his career. <clears throat> excuse me, finding guys late that have, that were like fifteen hundred yard rushers. Um, Austin is an outlier that he was an undrafted free agent, and and what his what he's doing from a statistical perspective is kind of unmatched when it comes to undrafted guys. But you know, NFL teams can get guys in the fourth and fifth round, have them produce like high quality stars that you would get in the first or second round. And guess what? They don't get paid either. And they're getting paid peanuts right. at the beginning of their career too. So I, yeah. I do think that there, there's something that needs to be done at the running back position. Um, Saquon Barkley is the biggest example. He was the heart and soul of the Giants last year. I mean, Daniel Jones had a, had a good year and he's, he's tough as nails. Brian Dable's a really good coach, but they don't get to the playoffs without Saquon Barkley. They, they, they used no, him. They like, ran him into the ground. You know? Right. It's like, look at this, Chris. I'm, I'm just, I pulled it up, right? So here's your rushing stats from last year, right? Josh Jacobs led the league. Everybody agrees he's one of the best backs in the league. Second, Derrick Henry. Third, Nick Chubb. You know, so Derrick Henry makes, what, 14 million bucks a year. Nick Chubb makes 12 million bucks a year. Third, Saquon Barkley, you know, wants the, the long-term extension. He's on a franchise tag. Miles Sanders, we know, got paid, you know, peanuts to go to Carolina fifth. After that, Dalvin Cook. Sixth, Justin Fields, which is the outlier there. But then, then, then you got Christian McCaffrey, top ten pick, Travis Etienne, first round pick. And by the way, fantasy guys, don't sleep on Travis Etienne this year. He's going to have a monster year. You could see as that season progressed what this what this player is and what he's capable of doing. He's he's an Austin Eckler type. He can catch the ball. He runs like a psychopath, and and he is going to have a monster year. And ten, Aaron Jones, who's on a long term deal. There's your top ten. You know, that's like that Derrick Henry fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year. Nick Chubb, obviously, you know, Cleveland had serious issues with Deshaun Watson. The Giants made the playoffs and won a playoff game. Saquon Barkley. Philadelphia's in the Super Bowl. Miles Sanders. Dalvin Cook. Minnesota won 13 games. Justin Fields was the only thing that worked for the Chubb. Anyway, he's a quarterback. Christian McCaffrey, 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Travis Entienne. Jacksonville, we know what happened with them, you know, fighting through the first half, three quarters of the uh, divisional round against the Chiefs. Like, you need a back. You need a really good back. And, and they're worth more than people want to give them credit for. Um, so I, I understand their plight. Yeah, yeah. It, this won't be the last time we talk about this. I think something will happen. No. I don't know when. I think something will happen. I what wish I, I wish I felt that way, Chris. I just don't. I think it's, you don't think so, you know, and that's why I just like I like to lend the support to these guys to say, hey, man, yeah. I feel it. I, I know what you're like. Well, I, I can't empathize. I can sympathize. Obviously, I couldn't empathize. I turned to dust if I tried to do what they do. But, but like I th it's just the reality. You know, you have to find ways to get ahead against the salary cap. And unfortunately, all of these teams have decided one of those ways is pay our left tackles, pay our defensive ends, pay our quarterbacks, pay our wide receivers, pay our corners. Sorry, linebackers. Sorry, for the most part, interior linemen. Sorry, you know, uh, tight ends. <laughs> Think about how valuable Travis Kelsey is. Look what he makes compared to some of the other players in the league. Like, it's it's just yeah. the way the, the, the league works. Yeah. So another one of the, the headlines I thought coming out of minicamp um, was AC and JC Jackson around? Because I almost considered him a, a new addition, right? It, it didn't start well for JC last no. uh, last uh, August in the, the surgery and then coming into a new offense and struggling a little bit out of the gate and then having that really tough injury. We've seen 
footage of him rehabbing and working and Eric Smith did a did a really good piece on chargers.com and and the big thing that stuck out to me money was uh, this one line here, and, and while it remains to be seen if Jackson will be cleared to fully participate for training camp, he said a June 19th appointment with Dr. Neil Elitrosh will be a big step. And, you know, if you know the name Dr. Neil Elitrosh, he's the he's the foremost doctor for that uh, specific body part. So uh, I'm encouraged that J.C. Jackson is on track, and I would not be surprised in the least if we see him at training camp and we see him at the start of September. And I think that's an awesome thing for the Chargers when we consider um, what you can do in that secondary now with Asante and Michael Davis. Yeah, look, depth and competition. It's, what you, it's so important. And, and I think it was Popper that, that brought it up, and I never really quite thought of it in, in that context. Well, I guess we kind of did. But, you know, he put pen to paper. And... You know, I, I just kind of said that it'd be great to have Jasir as the depth. And, and he said, look, when Jackson's healthy, we've, we've said this, when Jackson's healthy, Mikey Davis and, and J.C. Jackson are going to be your outside corners. There's just, I don't think there's any question about it, unless Jackson struggles like he did last year. Uh, but I don't suspect that's going to happen. So if they're your outsides, I just said the great thing is now you've got Jasir who can provide depth, give these guys a, a rest here and there, be a fourth corner if you want to throw that on the field. But, you know, he pointed out, no, it's actually – you could be looking at a competition at slot now between Asante and, and Jasir. The, the Taylor's played that well, and, and he's – you know, he is that well-regarded amongst these coaches. That, that, and that's what you want. You want competition. You want position battles. You know, that's the, the more of those you have, the better off you are. It hones focus. It, it gets players – you know, to perform at perhaps a higher level than they otherwise would in camp because, you know, these guys are vets. They don't want to – they just want to get to the games. But, you know, the more you focus to practice, the better you're going to absorb the system, the better you're going to be focused on what you're supposed to do and what your assignments are. So getting J.C. back then perhaps creates this competition at that slot corner or star, you know, whatever you want to call it, between Asante and, and Jasir perhaps. So, and, you know, you, you, you were mentioning it, Chris. You look at these two – these two practices, the one yesterday, and, and Taylor had a few big plays, like a few really good plays. Had that one big breakup on Mike Williams down the, down the field. And we know how good Mike is at those 50-50 balls, those back shoulder throws. And he was there step for step and busted that thing up. So uh, that's going to that's gonna help a lot. It, it, uh, again, I've said it repeatedly, the depth is beyond value. But the idea of competition now, if – I like having big bodies. There's a reason why there are certain teams that have a floor for corners that will not draft corners below six feet or below a certain weight threshold because they expect yeah. their corner. And most of them are teams that funnel runners and funnel plays to the sidelines and expect their corners to make tackles. So we know how physical Jasir is, and, and he's a big guy. So to be able to have that and, and have that ability – or have that available to you, I think goes a, a long way uh, because I do think that's something that's been a little bit of an issue for this team is, is making sure your corners are effective tacklers. Chargers fans will look at last year and almost forget what JC Jackson was in new England. He had 16 interceptions yeah. over the prior two seasons, more than anybody in the NFL. This was another quote that I, that I really thought was refreshing when talking about JC. He said, I felt like crap, uh, talking about this this season where the fluke injury came. I hadn't done anything. I got hurt and just got paid. I still have to prove to my teammates and myself that I'm still Mr. INT. 
I didn't do anything last year. I felt like crap and didn't feel good at all. So I'm glad that he doesn't feel good <laughs> because when you get paid that yeah. much money, it may be easy money. I, I, it, easy, no pun intended, but it may be easy to sit there and see your bank account full and be like, you know what? Well, I got paid. You know, he, he wants yeah. he wants to come back in 2023 and improve. I mean, these guys have a lot of pride, man. And and JC was too good of a player to not want to come back and uh, make sure Derwin knows that he's all in and that secondary gets another weapon back there because it's just somebody that we did not envision um, not having a huge year in 2022, and we barely saw him. Certainly. I think you hit it on the head. You know, these, these are guys that are prideful. You don't get to the position that they're in without having, a, a you know, some arrogance and some self-belief. And I think anytime you're a corner in New England, you're tagged with, yeah, well, you're a corner for Bill Belichick. All of his corners play great, and they yeah. leave, and they play terrible. And so I think there's a sense of that, too. Like, well, yeah, that's not me, though. You know, I, I'm not all. What, what did Belichick do for me? He put me on an island and told me to guard the opponent's best player, and I went out and did it. That's essentially what my assignment was. How does that have anything to do with a coach? So I'm sure he wants to prove people that, that it wasn't Bill Belichick, that it was J.C. Jackson, and that he did earn all this money. And, yeah, look, being rich is great, but I'm certain if you do pay attention to those sort of things, talking heads on TV, radio, podcasts, social media, saying what a bum you are for taking all this money, playing terrible, and then getting hurt, and you don't give a rip about it, then sure, I think you, you want to make sure that that's not – you know, sort of the way that people interpret you, especially on this team. I think especially with the – it's one thing to have good players out there with you that maybe you're letting down. It's another thing to have, you know, great players that are great people and great teammates like Khalil Mack, like Derwin James. You know, those are the guys you just don't want to let down. It's I like – that's one of the, I think, more underrated qualities of Derwin that people don't talk about enough. Because we get to see it. it, you don't you don't see it on TV, but when you're at practice, when you're in snack, when you're watching guys warm up, when you're at the game and you're on the sideline or you're in close proximity to the sideline, guys want Derwin's approval. They're they're they go to Derwin all the time, you know, or yeah. he goes to them. I, there there is there is so much value in that to to have someone. And it's not like he's holding them accountable. I think they just all want Derwin to be like, yeah, you're okay. I like you. But, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. And I think there's a lot of that on this team. And so I think JC perhaps is, is to some effect speaking to that. Like you don't – it's just – I don't know if I'm wording it right, but he just seems like one of those – the way I interpret it as I watch the interactions with him, he's someone that guys don't want to let down. And I, I remember before he got signed by the Chargers, Derwin was mic'd up with him at, at the Pro Bowl. And you could tell that they hit it off. And it's just, it is one of those things where, where Derwin is kind of this, this, this figure here at the top where you're looking at him for approval. You're looking at him for guidance. And, and he's more than willing to give it to you. Um, but he wants you to work as well. And he wants you to do, do his thing, uh, do your thing so he can do his thing. Um, Eric Kendricks is another guy that uh, spoke this week, Bunny, and – I think another refreshing voice in the in the defensive room, um, somebody who is going to help this team in a number of ways, his coverage skills, 
um, just his his savvy uh, being in the NFL for as long as he has. And the one quote I I really loved was how he said Kenneth Murray's helping him. He said K is going to have his best year, and and those are the types of guys I think we talked about maybe a week or two ago. Just guys that it's a, it's a big year for them. Kenneth Murray is one of those guys. So so if Kenneth can continue to build off of what he's been taught in this Brandon Staley defense, uh, work alongside a guy like Eric Kendricks. We've mentioned Henley there. That unit can look pretty stout. No doubt. Look, that's and perhaps that's one of the things that that led to them bringing in. Kendricks as well is just maybe trying to find someone else that can crack this Kenneth Murray code. We said it repeatedly and it's look, is, is it, is there a little bit of a negative slant to it on on a Chargers pod? Yeah, sure. I get it. And I'm not trying to be too, too harsh or anything, but clearly the front office sees it as well. It's why they declined a 50 year option. So that's probably a big reason why another reason why Kendricks is here is one health make sure he's out there we talked about that last week and two we all see Kenneth Murray he is a I mean man it's something to be standing next to him on a field like he is impressive he is fast he is big he is strong there's just something that needs to be sorted out and I think that's if they can, man, they got – look, that is that is a serious weapon that they've got on defense. If they can figure that thing out, just kind of think about, you know, think about the Chiefs linebackers, you know, and what Bolton and what Gay and what those guys are able to do. I mean, Bolton is a nightmare whenever the Chargers play him, you know, and he it's a very he's, – he's, he's, again, fast, he's athletic, but he's big enough where he makes an impact, you know, when he's, when he's knocking you off your, your feet – so that's sort of you, we know what kind of impact that that position can make, and so I, I think if you're able to to figure that out, you know that's that's a that's a huge like you you know the way you described it, Chris. It's almost like a new and it's almost like a new signing to have J.C. Jackson out there this year. If somehow he can get back to what he was in New England, because we did not see that at all last year. We saw maybe a couple flashes before he got hurt, but barely any of it. So. I'm not saying that Kenneth Murray hasn't added anything to the team in the, the previous three years. He absolutely has. But I'm saying when you trade a third-round pick and your second-round pick to jump up into the first round to take this guy, you're expecting him to be an impact player. And that's perhaps something that they're going to try to to get to work this year with. And for Kenneth, uh, it's the best thing that could happen. You know, to have your fifth-year option decline and you turn in a monster year, and now all of a sudden you're an unrestricted free agent. Congratulations! I mean, jackpot. You're, you know, that's so. It's not like he ain't going to be working for it. You know, his 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 professional life is on the line because of that decline of the fifth-year option. So, uh, I'm certainly yes. I'm very. I'm hopeful. I'm excited about perhaps a different voice along with the coaches to be with Kenneth to to see if we can somehow unlock what we all think is is the potential of what he can become yeah you, you almost do the player a favor if they if they ball out if you decline that fifth year option because then sure you, you're hitting free agency early and you're cashing out um, a couple more defensive things before we we flip to the offense money uh, and jt woods is a guy that we talked about a lot uh we heard derwin kind of reinforce it we heard coach staley uh really echo what derwin said a, a couple of weeks ago at the golf tournament about just this is a big, big year for JC uh, or, or JT. There's a yeah. lot of JC, JT, JT yeah, Woods. Right. 
big year for JT in, in terms of getting his body right, being more physical, and, and getting more comfortable in the defense. And again, Derwin spoke and uh, spoke glowingly about Alohi Gilman. Say, hey, I'm, I'm the leader of the team, but but yeah. uh, Alohi is a connector. He he brings these guys together, and I think it's going to take yeah. a lot, a lot to get Alohi Gilman out of the starting lineup money. Not that you, you put it perfectly, Chris. That's you, that was so apparent to me from Derwin's answers on those two topics. It was, you know, you all, and and this is not this is not limited to to the NFL to football. This is every sport. Draft status means something, and people get enamored with where you were drafted and what they believe you can be even if you've already proven that you're not that person. And that's there's a flip side to that too, right? So JT led the NCAA in interceptions. JT was a third-round pick. And Aloy Gilman was, uh, I don't know, was he a fifth? I think he was a fifth, if I remember right. Um, I think he may have been a sixth. sixth. Yeah, he may have been a sixth. Might have been a sixth. So you're talking about someone that was expected to to be a, a special teams contributor and provide depth. JT Woods was drafted to be your starting free safety. So when you have that sort of thing, there's these expectations of, well, when's JT going to get out there? When's why, why is he not getting these reps? You know how big it would be to have him. And you overlook the sixth round pick that has the job and he's been doing a heck of a job at it. He's, you know, he's, he doesn't have the profile. He doesn't have the, the, the college resume that JT Woods had, but he's the better player right now. And it's not close. And that's what Duran was was sort of getting that, and it goes back to what we just talked about, why the players respect him so much. Because he, he answered the question, and he answered it honestly and politely, and he cushioned a little bit of the negatives. He's like, look, he, he's got a long way to go still. And this is a young player that's still learning, that's still trying to figure it out, and we're looking forward to him taking those next steps. And then he would double back and say, but my guy I'll always out there, and I know he's going to be exactly where he needs to be, on every play and I love having them out there. And that's, that's what goes a long way is not just saying, yeah, you know, next it was a rookie year for JT. It was a rough go. We expect him to take a step this year. We're looking forward. No, it's like, we're good. I got a Loa Gilman back there. We're good. Yeah. It is important for JT to get better and for him to get out there and for him to take that next step in his career. But I'm confident in a Loa Gilman being the other safety on this team when I'm out there. I love Alohi. I love the way he plays. I love his demeanor. And I know that the, the team yeah. loves having him out there. Uh, Six-round pick, 186 overall money. So There uh, you go. Talk about a success story. And, and, and he was drafted by, I want to say, that was the Anthony Lynn administration, uh, 2020, yes. right? So he, he not only had to you know grind in 2020, but also go through a new coaching staff, new defensive system, prove himself – and, and stick around, and, and he's certainly done that. Um, if we flip to offense, I, I was in the, one of the like the stylized photo rooms, um, just watching guys come in and out. Mm-hmm. And I walk yeah. in, and I see number eighty-one and number one together, like they're doing they're doing stuff with the ball, they're flipping it around, and it looked like some sort of uh, uh, NBA combine situation, right? Where, where you have just two massive wide receivers and like I, I know it's early I know it's June and, and Quentin Johnson's been here for six weeks and we've seen some of the the pretty throws and, and catches by uh, uh Justin to, to Johnston on uh social media but I can 
I can only help but be excited about what this offense could look like if he can catch on quickly. And apparently he's he's catching catching on quickly. And when you have a guy like Mike and Keenan in the room, that helps. But that was the biggest takeaway, just seeing those guys up close, how big they are. And then you add Palmer and Gerald Everett and Donald Parham. I mean, Justin Herbert, is he has massive weapons, man. And we've said it every week, but it was so cool to kind of see it up close and to see how quickly I feel like Quentin has has been a, a real part of that wide receiver room. I guess him and Hen- like Henley was talking about the, the linebacking room and with Kendricks and K9 and how he feels so comfortable in there. It, it feels like these rookies who've been here for six weeks have been here for a couple of years. And, and that's a great thing. And that I think shows your, your culture in your locker room. I think the, the caption on the social media post from Megan and the, the social media team was we have a type. And it yeah. was, and, <laughs> yeah. and it was, look, and it's, some people will push back against that. No, that's not what this is. These are talented. It's not, no, that's, that's exactly what this is. They do have a type and it's something that is damn near impossible to contend with. You just, you, when, if you were to line up Quentin Johnston, Keenan Allen in the slot, Quentin and, and Mike Williams outside, Keenan in the slot and Donald Parham, one of these guys getting a free release and you better have someone that's got the kind of size. And we talked about, you know, we talked about Johnston and, and some catching things that some people had it, you know, he had a high drop rate at TCU. Is he catching the ball at, at his body? We're already seeing Chris Beatty work through that. We're seeing one hand catches. We're seeing him really extend his hands and snap out. It's going to be different when you have a guy on your body and things like that. Things change when you get in the midst of a game and, and, you know, snaps are taken and and people are moving around because then you kind of have these muscle memory issues. But what we're seeing is I think what this vision that Tom Telesco and and John and and Brandon and and all these guys have, and that is there's nothing you can do. Like you just, you you can't, it's kind of what Miami was trying to do with all the speed. It's like, well, if we have Raheem Mostert and we have Jalen Waddell and we have Tyreek Hill, we just got too much speed. You can't slow it. You, there, you can't keep up with everyone. And the Chargers are doing the, you know, and, and look what the 49ers do. Well, we've got all these versatile weapons that Ayuk can take a handoff. Debo can take a handoff. Christian can take a hand. Now all of these guys can go out. And by the way, they're big freaking dudes and they're going to knock your block off because they're all 220, 230 pounds. And so you see a lot of these incredibly effective offenses have this thing going. We've already talked about the Bengals and all the height that they have and Chase and Higgins and Boyd. And so I think the Chargers recognize that. And while a Jordan Addison or a Zay Flowers, you know, that, and, and we've talked about, you know, what our preferences were and who we thought they might be great to, you know, who might be great to take, but I think it's clear what their vision is and that you can't, Look at Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston. Like, what are you going to do? How how are you possibly going to contend with that if Johnston realizes the potential that everybody believes he has? And so, and plus, I, I also liked watching a lot of the the practices, and you saw a lot of those sort of what people don't perhaps equate with a guy that's that big is that quick burst because you think that's typically your smaller guys, but that's what Johnston really did a lot of at TCU. And you saw a lot of that in the practices, these quick slants, snatch it and go. And he's able to accelerate and pull away. And I think you saw a lot of that as well. Yeah. When you have two big guys who have that quick burst and can go like Mike can go, Mike can go deep. And yeah, I almost feel like they've, they've constructed this team money based on 
how Justin Herbert plays. Because Justin seemingly, he'll make the right throw. He'll get you in the right position. He will take a risk that many others wouldn't take because he can, because of his arm and his arm talent. And I think that was another topic of conversation this week was Kellen Moore's offense. What is it exactly going to look like? Is it going to be just bombs away, bombs away? We will see in late July and going into preseason and obviously week one against the Dolphins. But when you have a quarterback like Justin, he will go deep, but he will also maybe make a crazy throw that not many in the league will attempt. And you have this run after the catch ability in Quentin Johnston, and we've seen Mike do it, and we've seen Keenan take the ball and go. So it may not necessarily be goes, go routes every single play, but I think this is a is an offense that is equipped to score a lot of points. We know what Austin's capable of in the backfield. Um, Jalen Guyton and Joshua Palmer. It was good to see Joshua at the at the facility. Gerald Everett, uh, a guy that you know you talk about Parham. Gerald Everett's another guy yeah. that that can take the ball and go. So, Kellen Moore has so much to work with, and and I think when fans come to Jack Hammond Sports Complex in July, they'll see this offense slowly start to take shape. You know, Sebastian Joseph Day says like off seasons like baking a cake, right? You got to go through all the, right. the requisite steps first. Um, but fans are going to see what Kellen Moore's offense is ultimately going to look like come late July. Yeah. You brought up the, the Justin Herbert throws and uh, Chris, Chris Sims does a pod and he was doing his annual quarterback rankings. He and Ahmed and he had Justin, I think he had Justin at four. So we had Mahomes, you know, spoiler alert, Mahomes one, Burrow two, Allen three, Herbert four. And then the, and the thing that, that really stood out, and he does such a great job of breaking this stuff down, but that we get to see, and I don't think enough people point out, and I was, I was stoked to hear him say it, is the, the, the pinpoint accuracy with which Herbert throws these back shoulder throws specifically because that's what we see all the time right we just that the mike williams we know it's coming and the, the the opponent knows it's coming and there's not a damn thing they can do about it because mike's too good at getting it and herbert is way too good at putting it exactly where it has to be and that's that's what i'm guessing the uh, went into a lot of the thought process for for Johnston is man when you look at this team and this when you look at this offense and when you really make your impact those are backbreaking plays those are gut punches when it's third and eight and you feel like you okay so now they're behind the sticks we got them we're bringing an extra rusher and Herbert throws this ball exactly where it has to be on a back shoulder and Mike Williams has it and so when you now bring in what Keenan, you know, and we know what Keenan's capable of doing. He's capable of going up and getting those things too. He also brought up just the windows with which Herbert is able to throw passes into that others just can't. I think that's sort of where that catch radius idea comes in of, okay, if we can give him a, an even bigger catch radius and he, we know how precise he is, it makes it easier for those guys because there is so much room for error and yet there isn't a one degree of error from the way he throws the football, no matter if he's under duress, if he's on the move, if he's falling backwards, if he's moving to his right and he's throwing to his left, if he's moving to his left and he's throwing to his right, it just doesn't matter for Herbert. The, the, the ball is exactly where it needs to be. And so when you put players like that out there, especially in the red zone, when 
things get weird. You know, you can move the ball up and down the field. A lot of teams can do that, but things get weird when you get in the red zone and everything gets compacted and everything needs to be more precise. That's where he really thrives. And that's yeah. where someone like Johnston really fits into what he likes to do. I'm very intrigued to see how Kellen Moore is going to use Quentin Johnston with all these other weapons. Uh, Money, a a couple other observations for me, and then I'll open it up to you before we get out of here. It it seems like I, for for whatever reason, thought that this Jacksonville thing, this was going to be a theme. It was going to take us into September. It was going to be something that, you know, remember what happened in Jacksonville. Darwin don't want to talk about it anymore. He's done. He's moved forward. Um, they asked Mike about getting hurt in Denver and not being able to play. And he said, listen, I, I, whatever Coach Staley wants to do, he wanted us out there. I was going to be out there. You know, of course, he was disappointed he wasn't in the game. Yeah. I, I feel like leaving for summer break has kind of signaled to me anyway that Jacksonville's done. Kellen Moore's here. Kellen Moore wasn't here for Jacksonville. Quentin Johnson was here. Uh, a lot of these guys don't want to talk about it anymore because it's a new season. It's a new team. And frankly, I think it's a good thing. There, there was part of me maybe throughout the offseason saying, hey, you want to use this as fuel and motivation. I think you got to flush it, man. This is a whole new season. Uh, you learn from those experiences. But I, I don't think these guys, frankly, want to talk about it anymore. And I don't blame them. No, I don't blame them for not wanting to talk about it. I, I do appreciate our media for asking about it, though. I think some know it's too. an uncomfortable, you know, it's an uncomfortable question. It's an uncomfortable topic. You know, Derwin's captain of that defense that gave up a 27-0 lead, you know, and Mike Williams is a weapon that no doubt would have been a huge advantage for the Chargers in that game, especially in the red zone when they came away with a couple field goals early on when they could have had a couple more touchdowns. So I appreciate that they, that they asked the questions. And I do think, you know, and you said it, you know, you said it there at the end, Chris, that you thought, well, this could be good fuel for, for next year. And now you realize they just don't want to talk about it. They just want to move on. I do think there is value. I think there is value in remembering how that felt because there's not a lot of really good. There aren't many good teams that lose 27-0 leads. They're just, if you're a good team, that does not happen. You clo- if you're a good player, you don't allow it to happen. I'm not saying they're not good players because things, weird things happen. There are anomalies. And I think it's important to, to remember, yeah, this happened to us. And we're way too good for something like that to happen to us. That's... That's the, the, the fact that we became a, a team that gave up the largest lead in a second, the largest second half lead or, you know, whatever, the, the largest lead in a, in a playoff game. Yeah, that sucks. And that's stuck to you. And it, sorry, you may not want to talk about it, but it's sticking to you because it was record setting. So I do think there's a little bit of value in the only way you're going to get past that is to make sure you get past it and it no longer becomes a topic of conversation. And that's starting fast and not starting two and two, but starting three and one or four and zero, uh, being six and two at your, you know, whatever, being four and one at your buy. And, and that's how you get past it because now the focus becomes this year as opposed, because right now the focus is going to be how incredibly painful the, the way the season ended last year. So it's yeah. funny you said I'll let you get to a couple of things. It was one of the things I was going to bring up, which is, <laughs> you know, I I appreciate it. I appreciate that the media was comfortable doing that. And and I think the players did the perfect – the players answered it exactly how they should, which is it's, it's over. Like, I, what are you going to do, go home every night and, and watch the film and figure out – like, I remember two years ago, Chris, we were talking about it, man. You watched that overtime against – 
against the Raiders. And man, there's a couple plays that you can just go, oh, you know, and, and you can do that. And you can, and every single team in the league can do it. Yeah, if you get to the NFC Championship or AFC Championship games, those those teams can do it and just go, oh, you know, the the right tackle for the 49ers. Oh, if only I had blocked if, uh, McGlinchey. If only I had blocked yeah. him a second longer, then Purdy doesn't get that arm hit, you know. The Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. Oh, God, how did I not feel the pressure coming from Aaron Donald if I had just released that ball two-tenths of a second sooner I've got Jamar wide open down the field and we win the Super Bowl. Like you can, every single team has those moments and they, they're sick of talk about them because they, it sucks. You know, it sucks to have to relive it. So I appreciate the way they answered it. And I appreciate the questions because it is good to remember that it can be taken from you. That as great as things might be going when you're up 27-0 in a game in the NFL and you're getting ready to face Kansas City, a team that you had on the ropes, just four weeks prior in the divisional round and you feel really good about your chances can be taken from you, you know, and just the, the, in, in, in two quarters, it can all disappear. Yep. No, I, I think there's definitely going to be moments throughout the year where you harken back and look at those, those tough moments, yeah. whether it was the Raiders or the Jaguars and the guys that were on this right. team and they say no more. Um, but at the same time, there's a new offense now. Uh, there's a new guy call, not calling the plays, but a new defense coordinator, Derek Ansley. Uh, they're, they're changing this offense up to, to be a little bit more explosive. Um, but you're right. The media, you got to ask those questions. You haven't talked to Mike Williams. 100%. You haven't talked to Mike Williams since that, that went down. Um, yeah. Derwin is the leader. I, man, I remember going to that locker room, and it was so eerily silent that I've never, never felt like that before I can only imagine what those guys felt after that game so that you're always going to have those experiences but I think starting a new in training camp being like hey this is a new team and it's time to really show our full potential the thing about the this daily this daily administration nine and eight ten and seven you're making steps but this next step I think has to be a really big step um considering what's at stake uh considering the the roster um the 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 cap number next year for some of these players and obviously number 10's contract coming. And, and I don't think that's going to be an issue money. Justin's not going to make it an issue. I, I can't imagine it not getting done before he takes the first snap against Miami. Hope it does. And again, we, we said this, it's two sides. Don't know what his agents are trying to accomplish. Don't know what the team is trying to do. It, it should be, I know it's, it's easy for me to say, but it should be an easy situation like it should be an easy negotiation if you're the, on the Chargers side it's hey here's the market let's make you the highest paid quarterback in the league and let's get out of it Let, let's just move on let's let's figure it out and let's move on because that's what it's going to take and that's just the way these contracts are and if if Burrow gets done a little bit earlier and now see I would rather get it done before Burrow and before Mahomes renegotiates because then things get weird because then it's like well you know Justin uh Joe's one He's been to two AFC. He's been to a Super Bowl and an AFC Championship game, and oh, you know, Patrick's got two Super Bowls and three Super Bowl appearances. Like, you don't want to get into that. I, I, I think I, you know, you know, Josh, Josh Allen. I know they just gave him a little bit more money, but he's been a you know, that, like that's he's won playoff games. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you just want to. You know, you know, these numbers are going to continue to go up, and that's just the reality of it. And just get it done. Get it paid before it gets weird. And you already had the Jalen Hurts. He, he was the last guy to do it, right? He's been to a Super Bowl. Right. He would have been Super Bowl MVP had the Eagles won That's that That's what game. I mean. 
Yeah. All right, money. Uh, Listen, minicamp's over. We're going to keep this thing going, though, throughout yeah. the summer. Uh, I think guests. I think we're going to get some guests on over the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. Talk about talk about this uh, upcoming season. Um, yeah, get some outside maybe, perspective. Get some outside perspective. Maybe uh, know your opponent. See what the, the Raiders and Broncos and Chiefs are up to. And um, get you guys ready for Jack Hammett Sports Complex uh, at the end of next month. So That's right. always appreciate you guys listening. For money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. Oh,